You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, man cubs, tigers, and sloth bears of all ages, we welcome you to the wonderful world of Walt Disney's animation studios. I am so stoked. Today, we will be discussing Disney's The Jungle Book, the last film of the Silver Era, also the last film that Walt Disney ever worked on. It's a somber, sweet moment, beautiful film to talk about, but sad to discuss some of the implications behind it when it comes to losing Walt on future projects. Guys, if you didn't know, we've been doing this Disney series. We do two films per era. We might do more later on, but so far we've done from the golden era. We discussed Snow White and Pinocchio. Then for the wartime era, we discussed Three Caballeros and the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Then we started the Silver Era with a good friend of mine who actually works for Disney discussing Peter Pan, my co-host today's favorite Disney film. And today we are rounding out the Silver Era films discussing The Jungle Book. Guys, this is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I am Joshua Knoll. As you can tell, I'm your local Disney nerd. I'm extremely stoked to discuss this movie. I'm going to argue several times throughout this. I'm going to go ahead and bury the lead. It's one of the best. And I'm here <laughs> with none other than Christian Ashley. How's it going, Christian? I'm all right, Josh. This is definitely, I, I feel you. This is one of the best they've ever made. And I'm ready to go to Disney. I think we're going at the end of August, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah. Nice. Get in the mood. Nice. Yeah. We'll even discuss some of the other places you can see Jungle Book outside of the movie later on, even though I forgot to type that in the notes. But that being said, we're going to jump into today's episode. Like I mentioned, this is the last animated film or any film that Walt Disney worked on. He actually passed before it was screened, which is terribly sad. I don't remember the exact day of Walt Disney's passing, uh, which means Christian will precisely look it up instead of just letting me not know, because that is just what kind of person he is. I'll just (laughs) let you linger in that. Yeah. It's a little bit longer. But the day before he passed... Verna Felton also passed, who plays the female elephant. I don't know the name of either, Christian. Don't you love this? I think it's and, Winifred or something like that. It's also yeah, Winifred. Winifred. Yeah, Winifred. Yeah. She was a common voice, common person in our older Disney films. Her first role was actually Dumbo's mother. And here she, once again, is a mother elephant in her last role for Walt Disney, passing the day before Walt himself Also, of course, we mentioned this is the last of the Silver Age films. After this one, Disney kind of struggles for a bit for obvious reasons. You know, where is the company going to go? How does Walt Disney exist without Walt Disney? And that's a big question we're probably going to talk a lot about throughout this discussion. But before we do, Christian, did you come up with the dates for them? Do you want to fill them in? uh, They're both in 66. (laughs) Okay. Was it like December 13th and December 14th, something like that? I will double check that. Let's see. Disney himself <laughs> was the 15th. 15th and 14th. And uh, Vera, if, uh, Wikipedia, will, oh, excuse me, Verna, my bad, was the 14th. <laughs> so you Perfect. were right. Perfect. I was close. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Christian, what is your relationship with The Jungle Book? When's the first time you saw it? What's your favorite memories of this film, etc.? It definitely, I would have been a kid, maybe... And the VHS has really started coming out in the 90s. Uh, I would have seen that at some point then. So was that mid-90s, a little later than that? Whenever that would have been. And fell in love. I've always been a big animal guy. And just like learning about, okay, all these wild and crazy creatures that are nowhere near me. What can I learn <laughs> about them? And that, this is definitely a fun one for that, especially since some of these animals do not belong in the film. Oh, we'll see that oh, later. Oh, yeah. Some of them definitely don't. But I was wrong about one. One of okay. my biggest pet peeves was there was a bear here. I mean, that doesn't exist. Turns out, based off the sloth bear that is native to India, where this jungle was. So I was just mm-hmm. incorrect. Baloo does belong in the film. Bambi's mother, maybe not. But <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> oh, man. I um, 
I mean, I think, yeah, for me, it was also, it was the VHS. And I remember for a long time, I had this misconception where I thought the live action came first. And then later they decided to make a cartoon for a long time. I thought this was one of the nineties Disney films. You know, as a kid, I didn't know better. I didn't know anything about Renaissance era, silver yeah. era or any of that. I just, as a cartoon, people liked the real movie so much. They made a cartoon. Nope. People liked the cartoon so much. They decided to make two live actions. Now <laughs> there was one in, I think it was 1994. And then another 2016. I enjoyed both. 1994 was significantly better. That's the one I remembered growing up. And because of that one, I ended up watching the cartoon that I thought was newer for some reason. (laughs) And of course, I loved it also. But my biggest one, and we'll talk more about this later, my biggest connection to this film is actually from Tailspin, where a lot of the characters are (laughs) kind of similar. Like Baloo is in it, even though it's a completely different character. Same thing with Louie. A lot yes. of them. I don't. Mowgli is not in it, unfortunately. But no, it's all anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, but it is a fantastic show. If you haven't seen it, it is on Disney Plus. It is worth it. You'll be entertained and also realize, holy crap, the Clone Wars stole so much from Tailspin. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's true. All and, of and like get- Hondo stuff is basically directly pulled from the the plane, the flying pirates of Tailspin. <laughs> Or at least it seems like it. (laughs) You get Shere Khan essentially as your uh, Lex Luthor figure, too. Oh, yeah, that's always nice. Always a good time. Man, we'll have to do a Tailspin episode one day. (laughs) Because I could. I could do that. I could do uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, Of course, DuckTales. Yeah, yeah. All of them. All of them. Uh, He didn't mention it. Wow. (laughs) Darkwing Duck. Okay, there you go. (laughs) And there was much rejoicing. Uh, Yes, 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 indeed. Oh, man. Yeah. So that that was kind of my introduction as well. Um, I remember, oddly enough, I was a kid when Animal Kingdom opened. Not only was I a kid when Animal Kingdom opened, but I lived in Florida around the time that it opened. I don't know if it was exactly when it opened, but so much so that a lot of the shows and ride that only existed the first year Animal Kingdom was open, I vividly remember, including the Jungle Book show that was quickly replaced by Tarzan and now no longer exists at all. Yes. Yeah, which also, both the Jungle Book show and Tarzan were both great, don't exist in other Disney parks, and that's a true tragedy. But that's one of my first memories of seeing that show in Animal Kingdom, and just I just love the characters. No matter what format they pop up in, I love them. The only sin Kingdom Hearts has ever made was not having a Jungle Book level yet. Yet. Has there any representation in Kingdom Hearts? I don't think there is. And I, I don't am think there is. saddened by that. <laughs> Listen, Kingdom Hearts, if you're listening, <laughs> I know people no, want no the more. Marvel, yeah, big, big and the Star the Wars, but I want the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that being said, there's a little preliminary history we got We got to go over. This was almost the last Disney animated film ever because naturally they considered without Walt, there really isn't a company. They thought about just letting it go. Um, personally, I'm really glad they didn't do that. Not only because mm-hmm. I really love the Renaissance films of Hercules, Aladdin, Milan, and all them. Sorry, Mulan. But also, so many animators and like got their start because Disney existed. You know, after the, up until this film, it was Disney and his core people. After this film, they start teaching new people how to do stuff. Tim Burton gets his start on Fox and the Hound. You know, Mm -hmm. like so much of animation really pins on the decision that this wasn't it, you know? And also I might've never seen this if this was it. If they didn't make that live action in 1994, I might've never seen the cartoon, which is also why I like the live actions. I want these core movies, these beautiful scenes to live on. And I think anything that gets people, kids interested in the old cartoons is worth it to me. Also, this is a really fun fact. The top selling or the most successful is what it was movie ever in the country of Germany was the Jungle Book. <laughs> there has never been a more successful movie in Germany. <laughs> That's crazy. That's just wild to me. It's also in the top 10 most successful movies in France. <laughs> For some reason, France and Germany really love the Jungle Book um, and it, it started the trend slash need for really good voice casting in animated films. If you notice before this, there were select people and you still see this in a lot of like Japanese animation. These are the people who voice cartoons. And then here's the real actors. This is where you start to see actual, you know, quote unquote, important people like all star cast coming into voice characters. 
was through the Jungle Book. So this really not only changes animation, not only changes Disney's history, doesn't just change, you know, everything about cartoon film, (laughs) but also changes entire people's careers. Yeah, we all love Mark Hamill as Luke. We all know him also, especially those who grew up for me, primarily as the Joker, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and if it wasn't for this film, we wouldn't have stuff like that because that was seen as not a real job. So I'm super glad they decided to kind of go that route here and really change the course of history for film industry altogether. And we have to talk to, I think you have it in the outline later of the people they weren't able to get for this, that they really wanted. Oh man. Yeah. I, if this movie could have been like, if it had gotten some of those, I almost wish that this would have been it. Like it would have been too good at that point. I think. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh man. We're really teasing them with that. We should sit here for a second. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to listen to the rest of the episode. Yeah. Like we planned. Yeah. So with that preliminary history out of the way, with the weight of this movie on our minds and shoulders, Christian, if you had to rate this film zero to 10, how would you rate it? Explain your rating and okay. et cetera. <laughs> uh, I struggled with this, this question. God, me too. When I got the outlines, like, how do I do this? Cause I was like, I was going to go as low as an eight, five. And I was going to go for a nine. Then I was going to nine, five. So I think, I think I'm stuck at a nine right now okay. as far That's as fair. the film's quality. Um, it tendered to me for a little bit and where it's uh, – you also put this in the outline if I'm remembering correctly. In fact, it's kind of a random events plot to an extent. <laughs> and it works mostly and I'm glad it does it. But as far as like structure, kind of ruins it for me. Uh, it's not nearly as bad as uh, Three Caballeros. But <laughs> that there is more structure there. But yeah, and – I mean, just got some very classic characters here that uh, you see from Disney from years to come. I mean, you said Tailspin yeah. and plenty of other properties have used them before, you know, House of Mouse and stuff like that. So, yeah, this movie is an amazing movie. I would definitely rewatch it. $10 to anyone who can prove that they don't know any of the lyrics to Bare Necessities. <laughs> I, I like I don't have much money. But I am willing to make that gamble. If you could prove to me that you just don't know any of the lyrics to the bare necessities, I'll give you $10 because <laughs> I just don't think it's possible. Like, I think worldwide, this film has just made that much of an impact. <laughs> um, ironically, part of what adds to my rating is what took away from your rating. <laughs> I think part of what this is Disney why I'm glad to be with you. Yeah. Part of what I think Disney does great in general, especially for children and for us ADHD core folk, (laughs) they do a really good job at telling individual stories within a movie that can stand on their own, but also continue to tell an overarching narrative. Um, If you didn't know, it's really hard to just follow one really long story as an ADHD person or child. (laughs) But you give me a bunch of broken up little segments that if you look at it all fit together perfectly to tell one whole story, I love each of the segments. I love the overarching story and it's, it sells me. But that is one of the weak points of the film. There really isn't a ton of story. Um, if you compare it to the book, it's nothing like the book intentionally. So, I, you know, I have to give them that. But still, yes. nothing like the book. Um, the entire message different from the book. Um, <laughs> honestly. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite. I, I wouldn't put it up there with some of like what I love most. But if I'm evaluating it as a film for the animation, for the music, for the coloring, for the impact it had on culture, the voice acting, I'm going to have to give this one a 10. Um, okay. For me, for me, when I'm rating, you know, I do it as comparison. That's what I think rating is. I don't think of it as a grade. So zero would be the worst Disney film. <laughs> Which I, I'm not sure what I'd assign that to. So t- 10 for me is the best. Um, I, I got one or two that tie for the best Disney film. This has got to be there, guys. I just, it did everything so right and was the perfect send off to Walt. And I just love Walt so much. And I just, phenomenal, truly phenomenal. Even like just to how the tech worked and how they tweaked it. So they didn't, they relied on their classic art structure, but also new tech and really advancing the entire front of animation. I was like, oh, this film, it's wild. <laughs> so speaking of that, let's go ahead and get into some of the art and animation. <laughs> first things first for me, the, the main thing I noticed cause expression. Like if you think of it like linearly, 
like instead of like for me, there's just so many other snake animations since then that it's hard not to think of them. But if I'm thinking of it just linearly, what came before this and how they were able to make a snake truly, you know, he he has his head on his hands. He doesn't have hands, <laughs> you know, like, yes, he's like sighing, like he's so expressive for a snake. Like it actually blew my mind when I like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, how, <laughs> how do they make a snake that animated? <laughs> yeah, they play a lot with that. And it's very fun. Uh, it's been over a decade since I've seen the film, I'm sorry to say. But what I do remember. <laughs> it's been over 10 hours for me. <laughs> oh, excellent. I'm glad someone watched it recently, <laughs> like I should have done if I weren't such a hack. Uh, but just the, the fluidity sometimes, especially the way that Kam moves, uh, the way the elephants march later on. Yeah. It's like very well done. Yeah. A great send off to Walt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have so much like. Usually I have some to say about the animation and the history and stuff, but this one, there's just so much behind the film. So Phil Harris, Baloo, literally is Baloo. He tried out to be Baloo and he failed. He could not act the part of Baloo. Then he just said, hey, instead of acting, I'm just going to be me and read these lines as myself. And that's Baloo. So Baloo just is Phil Harris. <laughs> like that's just his personality yeah. right there laid bare. Then Ollie Johnson just kind of went behind and said, I'm going to do the animations for Baloo and I'm just going to make him do all of the facial expressions, all of the body language that Phil Harris does. So Baloo just is Phil Harris. Like, like there isn't, yes. you can't separate the two really. Um, then you pair that Ollie animates Baloo, Ollie Johnson, Frank Thomas and Wolfgang Reitherman, all part of this film. I think all of Disney's nine old men are part of this film. Um, if you didn't know, these are part of Disney's Nine Old Men. I've mentioned them several times before. So go back, check out the other Disney films if you want to know what I'm talking about when I'm saying that. Because I'm not going to explain it here. I don't feel like it. But Frank Thomas was Ollie Johnson's best friend. Frank Thomas animates Mowgli. So all the interactions you see between Mowgli and Baloo were these two animators who really respected one another, loved one another as friends, playing off each other and saying, OK, I see what you did here. Now, let me try to, you know, like you even like for, if you hear some of the interviews, they even got a little bit competitive of, OK, yeah, yeah, you're going to make Baloo do that. But watch how Mowgli reacts and how much more fluid this is. <laughs> it's like so the friendship you see animated between Mowgli and Baloo is genuine friendship captured in art. And like that's just so cool to me. And then. Of course, I also mentioned Wolfgang Reitherman. Um, he this is his second solo film that he's directed. And because of how long it took the film to come to be, cast his own son, Bruce Reitherman, as Mowgli, who you might recognize his name also because he also voices Christopher Robin, Tigger, uh, Arthur from Sword in the Stone, a few other things. He becomes important mostly because of his dad. But, you know, that's fine. Oh, now I hear it. All those characters <laughs> you mentioned. It's like, oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. So that's really fun. But here's the crux of the animation stuff for me that I love. Have you ever heard of Xerox animation? I'm aware of it as a thing, but animation has never been something I've particularly studied. So I'm interested to learn. <laughs> I don't know a ton about animation, but I know, what I do know is just because I like Disney films a lot <laughs> more than I should. <laughs> but Xerox animation. So Xerox originally, I forget what it's short for, but it's just the same technology that was used like early copying machines, just kind of copy and paste kind of deal. They use it for animation very heavily in 101 Dalmatians and a few of the other films in the silver era. And it's basically where like, if you notice all the Dalmatians pretty much are the same Dalmatian, it's because they're just copy and pasted. A lot of the background is very abstract in 101 Dalmatian and Arthur sword and stone kind of stuff because it's all copy and pasted. Whereas if you go back to like Pinocchio, they redrew the background for every scene. They didn't have to in those films. For Jungle Book, they realized because Sword in the Stone did not do as well as they wanted. Part of the correction they made was to go back to painting and actually creating the backgrounds, but still using the Xerox animation for some of the broader things. And then they just filled in the details. So it still saved them time. They still advanced the technology of animation, proved that this has value that doesn't necessarily have to take away from the film because we could still we could do this for the big things and give ourselves more time to add attention to detail. And that's where you get some really cool details in here because they had a ton of time because all the other stuff was just copy paste. So they kind of finally figured out how to use that technology. Obviously, it's not used forever. TJ's talked before about deep fake technology and Treasure Planet and Tarzan. 
But for now, Xerox was a really cool thing that they just now figured out how to use right when it comes to this film. Yeah. That's um, yeah. So also, speaking of copy paste things, Robin Hood, we're going to talk about later on, very heavily borrows this film. If you look at the uh, the snake animation, a lot of the same scenes, the dancing, same scenes. A lot of it is literally the same. Cobb, basically the same. Yeah, it's wild. Also, we mentioned this earlier, but Khan is seen eating a deer in this film. Deers don't belong in the jungle. But also, if you pay close enough attention, it is, in fact, Bambi's mom. They did take that animation and put it here as kind of an Easter egg. And to me, a really dark Easter egg. <laughs> like, why? Uh, like, poor woman just, just can't make yeah, it out there in yeah. the universe. Yeah. It's one thing when in Hercules, they have the lion coat and it's Scar. He was the bad guy. <laughs> and this was like hundreds of years later. But here it's like, this could have been the same time. And she's just, she, baby's mom was not a bad guy. She's just getting eaten for no reason. <laughs> like, why? It's real sad. <laughs> It is. Like, why did they decide to do this? And I never noticed that until I was reading over the outline for this. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, what I noticed awful. that I was like, what? I, I, that one I actually got not off of like research or anything, just because I was watching the film going, wait a minute. I think I know that deer. And I had to look it up to make sure. And I was like, oh, my God, they they literally just put Bambi's mom in Khan's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> why? I don't know, but I noticed it. It was funny after I realized how messed up it was also. <laughs> so, Christian, did anything else stand out to you about like the art and animation style in this particular film? Uh, definitely the the musical number for I Want to Be Like You. Oh, man. And, yeah. And you want to talk about animals that are not supposed to be there. Orangutans do not live in India. <laughs> in fact, live in Indonesia and Malaysia. Which don't you, you dare to deny the India. authority of King Louis. <laughs> <laughs> But still, it's, uh, I love the way that they play with the the dancing between the, how Louis dances versus how Mowgli dances and the, the background dancers as well. It's really well done. That one random monkey that keeps trying to steal the spot, the, the spotlight yes. from Louis for some reason. <laughs> that to me. So the 2016 version, there's a lot I hated, a lot I loved. I love the 2016 live action dance scene with King Louis. But it was missing the monkey trying to steal the spotlight. I missed that. <laughs> That's a travesty. Yeah, especially because King Louie was just humongous in that film, like obnoxiously. They were like, what if it was King Louie, but also King Kong? <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Why not? It was cool. It looked really fun. Except for I needed a tiny monkey to steal the spotlight still. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. With that, then, if we're done with some of the art and animation stuff. Let's get to some of the history behind the film. Originally, this film was directed by someone else. It was originally Bill Pete who pitched the idea and made a dark, mysterious film that was really twisted ending because, you know, it's a lot closer to the book at one point where a human kind of comes in and destroys a lot of the jungle and tears a lot of the stuff up and it gets bad. It gets really bad. I don't remember the book too well, but I do remember it's bad. And he wanted that. He wanted this dark, mysterious, we're not really sure how it ends, loose ending that Christian would have hated kind of deal. <laughs> and uh, after Sword in the Stone, Disney was like, uh, no, we're going back to old Disney stuff. Walt wasn't really that involved in Sword in the Stone and 101 Dalmatians. Some of the other Silver Age films, he was kind of like letting go of. He was focusing more on the parks, more on other projects. Then he saw Sword in the Stone didn't get the reaction he wanted. So he stepped in and said, nope. I'm going to be more part of the Jungle Book. So he was really active in this film. He cuts Bill Pete, says, we want a different ending. We want it to happy. He pulls in Larry Clemens and straight up asks Larry. He was like, hey, have you ever read the Jungle Book? He said, no. He said, good, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Walt wanted it to be their own story that kind of just happened to have similar characters. And that's sort of what you get. <laughs> I'm so torn with that. Uh, me too. Uh, like, I hate it, but I also kind of love it. <laughs> I mean, as a writer, if someone ever adapted, somehow I got to the point where a Hollywood <laughs> studio was like, we're going to adapt your books to the screen. It's like, cool. And then I go to the movie theater and it looks nothing like what I wrote. It's like, you just had an original script idea and you wanted, I guess, in the sense that somehow I have star power for them to do that. It's like, or they just like the name of your characters. Like, yeah, you know what? This is a cool <laughs> setting and character like, names. Let's ignore everything else. I, I mean, it would be like, I'd be so upset Unless it was done well. And this is one of those, I think it's done really well. If you're going to change things, 
they, they did a really good job of it because uh, yeah. it's obviously very vastly different than uh, Rudyard Kipling's book. Yeah, man, this is fun because you have such a, like your take is just so much more valuable than my take on this because <laughs> I'm not an author <laughs> at all. I'm just kind of like I like seeing goofy animals sing. <laughs> this, this is fun. But also, yeah, like I, I, it was kind of disrespectful to his work. In fact, um, Larry Clement's daughter apparently got really angry at the film, specifically because they kept saying Mowgli and it should be pronounced Mowgli. So technically, the correct pronunciation is not the one in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never That's guessed Mowgli either, though, if I was no. reading. Um, but so originally, Terry Gilkison, Gilkison, I don't know how to say his last name, did the music for the darker, more mysterious version of the film that was going to come out. All of his songs were cut except for Bare Necessities, the one that everybody knows from this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was kind of a fun fact that all this stuff got cut. The only thing that got kept is the best part of the film, arguably. <laughs> oh, that's another thing, too. That just uh, sparked a memory of my interactions with the Jungle Book was back in the 90s. Uh, Disney used to release these VHSs, these sing-along oh, yeah. uh, things. And I remember that. I think Bare Necessities was definitely one of them. Man, it's such a good song. Although I will say equally as good as I want to be like you. So, and that one was by the people who took over for the music, the Sherman brothers who also did. It's a small world, which I hate. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a small world. Terrifies me. I'm one of those guys. I'm like, I don't want to ride this. It's scary, <laughs> but I will write it out of respect for Walt, but I will be scared. <laughs> Although they do have, um, I forget what it is. It's like We Love Disney. It's a bunch of like famous um, musicians, artists, whatever, like Ariana Grande does, Zero to Hero. At the end of the album, they have all of these famous singers come together and they sing their own version of It's a Small World After All. That version's cool. I like that version. I don't like the little kids singing, It's a Small World After You. No, no, thank you. I need some video of scared Josh holding <laughs> tightly to your wife. As, you know, it's a small world is there. You know what got underrated though? Um, Splash Mountain at night was also terrifying. Just no one else wrote it at night. So they didn't know. But just those little beady eyes poking out. Zippity doo da. No, no. <laughs> Not at night. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, also. So Walt did tell them. He told Larry he wanted less story. So part of my complaint of there not being a lot of story was directly Walt's fault. He wasn't perfect, it turns out. And he wanted more focus on the characters, which I do love characters more than anything else. So, hey, yes. you have to, whatever you have to sacrifice for characters, I'll take it. In fact, there was so little story written that the animators were told that they just needed to fill time with like gags and character interactions. So, a lot of the just on screen time of the characters doing stuff together, it's all animators. It's not written story or anything. It's the animators going, how do we fill this time and have these characters interact well? And I think they sold it beautifully. Then, there's the part that we mentioned earlier, <laughs> who was almost in this film. The vultures were almost the Beatles. They're still mm -hmm. fashioned after the Beatles. Um, John Lennon just said no for some reason. And Louis Armstrong was almost King Louis. But Walt was really afraid with some of the stuff racially going on in the country at the time that if he cast it, that they'd get a lot of backlash, which they would have. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that they didn't because uh, that would have sucked if, if we had to, at the beginning of Jungle Book, have to talk about race each time. So I'm glad we don't have to. I'm glad that Walt said, hey, that's a bad idea. We don't want people to think that we just, you know, made the minority the monkey. <laughs> I'm glad he saw that yeah. ahead of time. But also, could you imagine I Want to Be Like You sung by Louis Armstrong? That would have been I mean, awesome. <laughs> the man is incredibly talented. I mean, there's yeah. a reason they would have pursued him in the first place. As someone, I really love jazz. And just the way he plays sometimes, the way he emotes, he would have been perfect for this. But oh, yeah. I completely understand uh, <laughs> the song, the, the meaning of the song yeah. and the person singing the song, why they would not want that to be done by him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but the um, who is Tarzan's monkey friend? Turk. Yeah. Turk, I, I, I want to say it was almost Eddie Murphy. They almost casted huh. that, but the actor got angry about it. So that's some of the, you know, just random okay. backstory. We'll get more to that if we talk about Tarzan one day. But yeah, that, that was a thing. Then. So it's really ironic that here, Walt knew in the 60s, yeah, let's not do that. But in the 90s with Tarzan, whoever was leading just 
forgot that that was a bad idea. <laughs> That's just one of the things you don't think about until someone says, hey, yeah. oh, no. Yeah, let's. <laughs> we might want to change yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So glad they avoided it here, though, because we don't want to have to bog down our Jungle Book talk with racism. <laughs> yes. Instead, we want to bog it down with deep questions like, Christian, is King Louis a villain? He tries to steal Mowgli. He's kind of aggressive about it. But also, man, he's just so much fun and so lovable. I think from his perspective, no, because he's one of those people, those they're just dynamic in the sense of we're living up life. Everyone should be this big party with me. We should do things together. It's going to be a fun time. Oh, but I also like what you can do. So teach me that way. I'm not going to think about the fact that I kidnapped you. It's like, it's for an ultimately <laughs> good cause of like, yeah. that's understanding each other, man. It was like, so I would argue no, but I definitely see why someone would say, yeah, the, the way he goes about doing these things makes him very villainous. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, he's, he's kind of the nuanced character. For me, of all the characters, like he's the most nuanced because you have this villain motivation of I want to be the most powerful. Right now it's Khan, but if I can make man's red flower, I will be the most powerful. And he's kink. He wants to be the most powerful. But also you have this kind of good guy motivation of, yeah, we want to keep Khan from killing everybody. That is a bad thing. And he's against the bad guy. So, you know, there's also kind of this the enemy of my enemy kind of deal. And also there's yes. the... I just want to say you're a good guy because I like you so much. And that song was so much fun. <laughs> well, you could argue he's our Hondo. Yeah. For this film. Yeah. He's the Hondo. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the actual villains. You, usually I don't talk this much about villains, but this film had you King Louis, who's kind of like a nuanced, maybe hero, maybe villain. And then you have Ka and Khan, who are two different prototypes. So if you pay attention throughout Disney bad guys, you either get bad guys like Pete, who are just kind of goofy, easy to beat, and they're just kind of the butt of the joke. Um, I'm trying to think. There are a few others. The bad guy in Robin Hood we'll see later on, Prince John. He was kind of, of a goofy bad guy. Yeah. But there's a lot of those. And that's who Ka represents in this film. Khan, he's the scary one. He's the, the evil queen. He's Maleficent, Scar. Literally, Scar was based off him. So, yeah, Scar. You yeah. know, like the more serious one so you have both in this film and at one point they even kind of have this own like match matching their wits trying to see who's going to get Mowgli kind of you know they're not friends either so I thought it was interesting to just kind of see those two stereotypes of Disney villains in the same film um yeah what, what, what did you think of Ka and Khan well they provide they're excellent foils for each other you have Khan trying to con, excuse me Khan, Ka trying to control things, you know, with his hypnotism, the, the old outdated idea that snakes could hip, hypnotize you by looking yeah. at you. Um, that's which makes true. for a very effective uh, villain ability. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is not true, <laughs> in fact. Uh, and then you have mm -hmm. Khan, he's like that dominion. He wants to dominate people, to make them every single one of them afraid of him so he can do mm -hmm. whatever the heck he wants. And you can argue they both want to do whatever the heck they want, but they seek it through different means. One's Similarly, kind of more cunning. The other is more territorial and uh, just uh, dominant about it. Yeah, I I, I struggle with Ka's motivation. I, I think he basically just wants to say he has Mowgli or Mowgli <laughs> just to say <laughs> that he has them more or less. Just kind of like a like a, a kind of a rite of passage, kind of a boasting thing. Uh, hey, look what I have and you don't have. You know, I think. Ka, it's more kind of that thing. Khan, even though I would say he's the more evil villain, like he's vicious. He's scary, far scarier than Ka. Yes. In fact, I don't know if you notice this. You don't see him at all for the first 40 minutes of the movie. Disney doesn't do this anymore, but they really built up. This is going to be a scary guy when he shows up. This is our Darth Vader before Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, it's the way people kind of talk about him first. If yeah. I'm remembering correctly, just yeah. that, oh, oh, you don't want to be around. The hushed whispers, you kind of get the he who yeah. must not be named. That's what I was about segment. to reference. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. very much like that for the first 40 minutes of the movie. And this is a short, not short, but, you know, it's just an animated film. It's not like three hour film like our Avenger films today. So 40 minutes is a good chunk of the film that they just kind of build anticipation for. And then when you see his motivation, unlike Ka, who's just trying to kind of boast of himself or is just bad because he's bad. Khan is actually, I think it kind of seems like he's actually afraid of humans. Part of why he wants to destroy is because he got hurt first. Hurt people hurt people. Or in this case, yes. hurt tigers hurt people. 
and I, I thought I thought that motivation, it was kind of like he's a lot more sympathetic than Ka, even though he is way more terrifying. I see that. Well, it's the thing, too, in the general perception and the public of tigers, mm-hmm. uh, you get that they're man eaters and you know kind of ma- kind of come after you. But most of the time it's because we're encroaching on their territory or they've mistaken us for a different prey animal. Mm-hmm. And that's when they lunge after humans. There are several tigers in history who have come down as man eaters. Mm-hmm. And that's just they probably developed a taste for it after the first time. For, I'm not a biologist of any means. So if anyone might correct this, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. TJ, where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to see that's why he's the main villain of this story is that perception, especially when Kipling was writing this in what was it, the mm-hmm. 1890s, maybe a little after that mm-hmm. in India. It's like, yeah, the, the biggest, baddest thing out there. Of course, he's going to be the villain. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, because he's attacked because humans are scared of him. And now he mm-hmm. attacks humans and other things because he's afraid of being hurt again. Just a cycle of violence and revenge. Yeah. It's also why he's afraid of red man's red flower. I mean, yeah. Just like you said, it's the cycle. And humans kind of are the bad guys. They're the ones perpetuating it. It's, I don't know. It's interesting to me of all the, you know, villains that we get backstories for and all these other things, you know, the Maleficent movies and now a Maleficent comic that I've not read because I just hear too much about Maleficent. Um, the Scar comics I am reading right now. You kind of hear learning more about this villain. I think if there was any villain I had to choose that I want to know more about their backstory, it might be Khan. Like, I'd be really interested to see what did humans do to him? Like, why is he this way? Because they hint at it. You know, it's there. I would like to see learn more about that. I think that would be a cool if they were ever going to have to do a prequel for something. I'd be down to watch that. OK, yeah, I could see that. I mean, you bring up that idea of humans being one of the villains and they're kind of both villains and ultimate good too. for Mowgli. He does need to be reintroduced to society at the end and to become part of the human race that he is. I mean, you can argue we should have stayed in the jungle and uh, there's plenty of adventures that could have been had there, but he wouldn't have. uh, He's a feral child. And if you look into the history, especially in India, I mean, there's been cases all over the world, but of feral children who've been removed and they've actually have been several children who've been raised by wolves like he was. I mean, that only not only comes from actual history, but we get it from, uh, Romulus and Remus and Latin mythology mm-hmm. and just, but it's still that desire. It's like, he's trying to find more about himself than a moment. The one thing that sways him is a pretty girl. Uh, <laughs> the downfall I, of many a man. I finally have come around to this though. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get to it in a second, but yeah, I, what I thought was really funny though, is that even, you know, you, you mentioned that we can argue <laughs> Whether he should save the jungle or not. I think it was funny that that's what Baloo and um, Bagheera did at the end. They actually did argue about it. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that was pretty funny. But I also like that they didn't do that, even though they do make Jungle Book 2 later, allegedly. Let's all pretend it doesn't exist. That's what I do with Pirates 5. It's We're just better best off. that way. Yeah. Just best to pretend it didn't happen. There was no Indiana Jones 4. They're going to make a fifth one. I'm excited for it. But they skipped four. <laughs> it skipped um, that <laughs> number. Yeah. This yeah, doesn't know how to count. Yeah. It's okay. But the, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really enjoy just how that ends like that, especially because they, they do this for Walt where they have this theatrical ending and it kind of zooms out and you see the sunset after their argument and Mowgli goes to be with the humans. And it's like, yeah, Walt deserves that kind of beautiful into the sunset ending. And I'm really glad they had that. It was so cool. That being said, before I, I got a, another couple other things I want to do. One. Let's mention a few places that you can find Baloo outside of this movie or, you know, all the characters. We mentioned Tailspin. He is there. He's at the parks, but there isn't any major rides for Jungle Book. And I don't think at any of the Disney parks right now, which is truly just tragic. You see the character all over the place. He gets they've got two live action remakes. You have Tailspin um, even, which is why a lot of people thought this was a 90s animated film until you have to remind them. Nope. It was 60s. It was part of the Silver Era, which also speaks to how good the animation was that people thought it was part of the 90s stuff. But I digress. It's because they did when they made the 90s video games like the Sega video games. It was it was um, Lion King, Aladdin, Jungle Book. The reason Jungle Book was included was because the 1994 live action remake was at that time. So they included Jungle Book, even though the game was animated. So it was more like the animated film. But that's why a lot of people thought that this was a 90s animated film which it's not. 
But also, yeah, it is in that video game. It's not in Kingdom Hearts, which again, just sad. But at the pop, me. yeah, at the Pop Century Resort in Walt Disney World, you can see a humongous statue of Baloo and Mowgli. It's worth it. If you love the film as much as I do, go check it out. It's cool. That being said, Christian, you know the deal. I need to know your favorite scene, favorite song, and favorite character of this movie. I think character should be easy. <laughs> uh, favorite scene and favorite song are probably going to align with each other. Um, That's fair. For this one, I think it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's I want to be like you. It's a killer song. Great beats. Uh, great animation behind it. A very good story told through the song. It can't be beat, in my opinion, for this film. Uh, as far as characters Very go, necessities though, uh, it is a good one. Oh, man, I mean, it's yeah, a good second yeah. place. But <laughs> I want to be like you. I can't. I be get beat. it. I get it. But I think I'm going to go with Bagheera. Really? My, yes. Uh, and one thing we didn't touch on is that That's essentially an- their roles in the book is flipped. <laughs> Like Baloo is the more serious one, if I remember correctly, and Bagheera is the less serious I one. I do not remember the book. Yes, it's been years since I've read that, like longer than I've watched this movie. So, is there anything else you could remind us of from the book? Uh, off the top of my head, um, it's just one of uh, Roger Kipling's like <laughs> general, like, yeah, India is a very beautiful place, but we're also kind of exploiting it. Shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. And, you know, these people deserve to live a little freer than we allow them to especially mm-hmm. at this time in history. So there's that. And he uses the example of the animal kingdom to kind of like parallel that and like man encroaching upon the forest and mm-hmm. how that inevitably is going to cause nature to fight with us for it. Yeah. Pure speculation. But I wonder if in the darker, more mysterious version of this film, if bare necessities was part of it, because that's the only thing they kept. If it was there because it was kind of getting at what the book was getting at of we're not letting these humans have the bare necessities. I, I wonder if that, like, in context, if that would have actually been a much darker song because you would have realized, oh, no, people are being deprived of these things. I could see that. Yeah. If they kept the darker tones. Interesting. The yeah. Um, okay. Well, for me, favorite scene. This is not typical for me that I pick the climax. But, man, yeah. that fight scene with Khan and the fire and everybody there, Baloo, like, like just... It is so stinking cool. I love the animation of it. I like how the fire looks with everything. I'm like, that is a cool scene. Got to go with that for the scene. For the song, I simply refuse to choose between. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be like you and Bare Necessities. They're both just so great. Um, If I had to say, you're probably right. I want to be like you is probably a better song. But I think the Bare Necessities scene is just so iconic to Disney that I'm like, I can't not pick that. So I'm just not going to pick. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to pick. In character, there is a correct answer, and it is, in fact, a Baloo. Especially if you've seen Tailspin. You're just automatically biased. <laughs> now, see, this would be an example of what I talked about on Let Nothing Move You the other day. Sometimes you don't have to pick a side. Sometimes you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, for the character, you do. You have to pick Baloo. For the song, you can love both. It's okay. <laughs> I like how all of my answers are correct. Everything else is questionable. <laughs> I also like how we pick the exact opposites of one another. It fits us very well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's beautiful. So you mentioned it before. In the book, humans are more the bad guys. Or, you know, some humans are. Other humans are getting exploited. There is that kind of storyline. I think in the movie, originally, I, I just kind of get the feeling that originally that was more of the point. Because you kind of still see some of that in this. But it's not the point. The point more seems to be around family. Mowgli is with Baloo. He's with... Um, is it Bagheera? Like, can I never remember how Bagheera. to pronounce his name? Bagheera. And that's his family. He grew up with the wolves. They were his family. The animal kingdom is just who he identifies with, who he loves being around. And yet they're trying to get into the humans because Shere Khan's going to kill him. They don't want him to be killed. And also he belongs with humans because he's a human. And he had to basically choose to leave his family because humans, he doesn't know anything about them. You know, I know you, you pointed out pretty girl. Yeah, of course. <laughs> But Two among us. it was kind of over the whole film. There was just kind of this weight of asking a young child to leave his family. Yes. And uh, I don't know, like part of me, it, it kind of has a sweet, sad ending because, man, yeah, it's cute. The boy went to go be with a girl because he likes girls. He's a boy. 
And of course, you know, we have that verse in Genesis 2, 24, you know, you leave your father and your mother so that, you know, go be with your wife. Like that is a biblical concept. You leave your family to go start your own family. And yet there is still this sadness of, oh yeah, he, he left his family. He left Baloo and Bagheera and the wolf hack, like all of them. I think regardless um, of how this ended, it was going to be bittersweet. Yeah. Because he's going to leave one found family for another. Because essentially he has, I mean, we don't see the last one totally in the yeah. end, but he starts with the found family of the wolves who raise him as their own. Then he has the found family of Baloo and Bagheera, like trying to teach him the ways of the jungle and trying to get him the safety, looking after him, trying to keep him safe from Shere Khan. Then we have the humans who he's supposed to be more alike that are going to be like, he doesn't know these people. Also, he's but not going to be anything like them based yeah. on how he was raised. Yeah, but there's going to be that shared bond of we are the same in that regard of being human beings that's going to help him acclimate to that along the way that, hmm. you know, unfortunately, like he may forget most yeah. of this past. It may be kind of a, a Narnia situation in some regards of, you know, you only remembered so much or like, oh, those were just dreams, some might say. Or like, yeah, yeah. Huh. I'm thinking of it as the only good ending for this film was a sad ending. If it would have stayed happy and he would have got to be with Baloo forever, it would have been a happy ending, perhaps. But we would have had this tragedy attached. It wouldn't have been good because if you thought about it at all, you would realize that's tragic. He never is going to be with his own kind. He's never going to have a family of his own. That's devastating, which turns out reminds me of the verse that I didn't write down. So <laughs> Psalm 126.5, I don't usually do verses, but I think this one's really appropriate. says, those who sow in tears shall reap harvest of joy and i think that's just the point of this you know of a yeah he had to choose something outside of his family to go start his own family and sometimes a sad ending is the best ending sometimes the good ending has to be choosing sadness which goes very well with this of walt's leaving we could let this be his legacy and it'd be a beautiful film and man we all remember walt as the genius that he was or we could try to do the hard thing, the sad thing, and do Disney without him. I'm really glad they did. But man, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad that you see the next movie and you, like there's just over it the whole time. You're thinking, where's Walt? And that's why part of why the Bronze Age, the next era we're going to talk about at Disney Films, is also called the Dark Age of Films because they kind of trying to figure out who they were as a company. What mm -hmm. were they going to do? How is the future going to look without Walt? And it's sad, but I think it's a much better ending than the happy ending of this was Walt's last film and it was a masterpiece. You know, like I think the better ending in real life was the sad ending of we're going to try to do this without him. That's how it goes with stories in that sense of we want our characters that we fall in love with to have a happy ending and that be it. But I mean, that's not life. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times in our lives where we just come to a point of, okay, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. And if I end a story right there, I say, yeah, yeah, good job. Jesus is with you. Things are great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then you, if suddenly five more pages show up and you go, oh, no, uh, lost family member or lost a job or something like that. Well, that's right. real. Yeah. That's that, that potential of bad things continuing to happen later on. Well, that's the human experience. And to deny that would be to this film's detriment. It's like it's not like a perfect ending as you know, as far as like everyone's going to be OK. Yeah. All the way. But like they're going to be fine after a yeah. while. Mowgli is going to integrate with humanity. He's going to find you know people to talk to. He's going to learn how to be human. It's going to be fun. And then Baloo and Bagheera and the entire animal squad we have here, they're going to move on. They're going to do their own thing and protect the uh, jungle as best as they can. Yeah. To add on to the somber note of this, sometimes you have to leave your family. Choose to leave, to go be alone at a college dorm. But you know, continue your own story. And it might be a sad choice, but it's one you need to make. Sometimes if your dog is really sick and in a lot of pain, you might have to choose to put your dog to sleep. Man, that's the sad choice. That's the sad ending, but it might be the best ending. Sometimes you have to choose to pull the plug. I hate to be that guy. There are situations where that happens. Sometimes you have to choose for our loved ones to go to elderly homes. There are all kinds of sad choices that are the right choice sometimes. All of Christianity hinges on this idea of I have to choose to die to myself so that I can live in Christ. And man, sometimes that's sad. Sometimes I'm like, but, but Christ, I could be at the beach. I could be partying. Nope, I want you in Lancaster. Okay, but I could be at the beach, Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes the sad choice is the best choice. It's the good choice. Sad isn't always bad. Yes. 
Yeah. And with that wonderful note <laughs> for this beautiful <laughs> Disney classic, let's wrap this one up. <laughs> you have any recommendations for everybody listening today, Christian? <laughs> so uh, this requires a little bit of a story, not nothing too long, I swear. But we have this little thing called topics and uh, discussions for what we decide to do. And my name was put on something that I had never read before. And I think it's because people thought, well, Christian likes these things. Of course, he would have read this at some point in time. And that being The Name of the Wind by, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> I just read the book. How can I possibly do this to myself as I buy time? I, Patrick so Rothfuss, thank God Google exists because it's helped me be less of a moron. But uh, my name was put on that and I had never once read it. But yesterday I completed it and I really enjoyed it as a fine fantasy novel. It's a kind of janky kind of beginning. But once you get into the flashbacks, man, I'm sold. Hmm. Man. Also, I forgot to mention earlier what I'm geeking out on. I finally got Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, yes. How do you like it? It is just phenomenal. But that's not my recommendation. My recommendation is going to be the Scar comics that are out right now. Not necessarily his backstory because it happens at the same time as part of the Lion King story. But really fills in a lot more of who he is as a character. And I'm enjoying it. It's a really, really good uh, thing that Dynamite Comics are putting out. It's a good time. A lot of fun. Guys, with that, we're going to have to do a somber sad farewell but still try to rate and review us happily on Podchaser with five stars if you if you liked it if you didn't like it you didn't hear me say anything about rating and review also you can use spotify or apple Podcasts for ratings those are good too we do prefer Podchaser. go ahead and join our discord if you want to talk to us more about your favorite disney movie or why we were completely wrong about this film we'd love to talk to you about it on our discord channel there is a link in the show notes or you could just go look it up also you can subscribe to our YouTube channel for some extra content like our comic book catch-up series, our manga mustard series, and of course, Drinks with TJ's, where TJ will talk about random beverages that people enjoy. And we all need you to do one very important thing for us, and that's to remember that we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.